This is the Return to Order Moment with Edwin Benson. Bringing you insights, analysis, and information for a culture in crisis. St. Therese of Lisieux's Little Way Can Lead Us to Heaven. As we do occasionally, this episode of the Return to Order Moment will focus on a single person. In this case, St. Therese of Lisieux. Even though she is very famous in Catholic circles, her story may not be known to all listeners. So, Edwin Benson will read a short biographical sketch. Then he will move on to the heart of the podcast, reading a meditation written about St. Therese by the founder of the International TFP Movement, Professor Plenio Correa de Oliveira, in 1971. St. Therese of Lisieux was born in 1873 and lived only 24 years. During that time, she developed a system of prayer and sacrifice which has inspired millions with its elegant simplicity. That system is often referred to as, quote, the little way, unquote. That system is laid out in St. Therese's autobiography, Story of a Soul, published after her death. The wisdom and influence of that book has been so great that the Catholic Church named her a Doctor of the Church, a title held by only 36 people throughout the Church's over 2,000-year history. Marie Frances Therese Martin was born on January 2, 1873, into a prosperous middle-class French family. She was the last of the daughters born to Zélie and Louis Martin. She was only four years old when her mother died of cancer. Madame Martine approached death with great faith and resignation, saying, The mother of God has not healed me, because my time is up, and because God wills me to repose elsewhere than on this earth. Unquote. The loss of the vital center of her family left Therese in turmoil. Of this time, she would later write, When mummy died, my happy disposition changed. I had been so lively and open. Now I became diffident and oversensitive, crying if anyone looked at me. I was only happy if no one took notice of me. It was only in the intimacy of my own family, where everyone was wonderfully kind, that I could be more myself." The Martin family was one of great piety. Every day began with the Holy Mass. She observed her father's frequent acts of charity, which sometimes included inviting a hungry vagabond to dine with the family. She began school at the age of eight, and her sister's preparation made her the head of the class. Teresa's scholarship and piety made her something of a target for her schoolmates. Quote, The five years I spent at school were the saddest of my life, and if my dear sister Celine had not been with me, I could not have stayed there for a single month without falling ill. When Therese was nine, her older sister Pauline entered a Carmelite convent. Once again, Therese's life was marked by loss. She tried to enter the Carmelites herself, but was told that she was too young. One night soon after that, Therese began to have tremors. The tremors gradually increased in intensity. The doctors could do nothing. On May 13, 1883, the ten-year-old had a vision of the Blessed Mother. Quote, Our Blessed Lady has come to me. She has smiled on me. 
How happy I am! Unquote. However, some days later, being questioned intensely about her vision, Therese began to doubt her own story. She came to fear that she had manufactured both her illness and the vision. On Christmas Eve, 1886, Therese experienced what she called a quote-unquote complete conversion. Her doubts, fears, and lingering emotions over the loss of her mother subsided. Quote, God worked a little miracle to make me grow up in an instant. Unquote. Soon after, she began to read The Imitation of Christ by Thomas Akempis. Soon she and the book were inseparable. The next May, she asked her father if she might enter the convent. Her father, then 63 years old, gave his consent, but the Carmelites said that the 14-year-old was still too young. It was during this period in her life that she experienced the power of intercessory prayer. A man named Henri Pranzini had brutally murdered two women and a child. There was no doubt of his guilt. Nevertheless, Therese began to pray intensely that his soul would be saved. During his imprisonment, Pranzini was unrepentant, a lifelong atheist who refused even to see a priest. Finally, the newspapers reported that as he was being led to the guillotine, he grabbed a crucifix from a bystander and kissed it three times. To Therese, this represented a victory over Satan and intensified her desire to enter the convent. In November 1887, Monsieur Martin took Therese and her sister Céline on a pilgrimage to Rome. There she was part of a general audience with Pope Leo XIII. When it was her turn, she broke protocol, approached the Pope, knelt, and begged him to allow her to enter the convent at the age of 15. The Pope replied, Well, my child, do what the superiors decide. You will enter if it is God's will. Unquote. Overwhelmed by the Holy Father's presence, she refused to leave the audience chamber until the guards carried her out. A few months later, the local bishop consented and she entered the convent on April 9, 1888. From that point, her life became that of a Carmelite nun. On September the 8th, 1890, she took her solemn vows. The Reverend Mother of the convent said of Therese, The angelic child is seventeen and a half, with a sense of a thirty-year-old, the religious perfection of an old and accomplished novice, and possession of herself. She is a perfect nun." Unquote. After six years in the convent, Therese began to develop her little way. She wrote, I will seek out a means of getting to heaven by a little way, very short and very straight little way that is wholly new. We live in an age of inventions. Nowadays, the rich need not trouble to climb the stairs. They have lifts instead. Well, I mean to try to find a lift by which I may be raised unto God, for I am too tiny to climb the steep stairway of perfection. 
Thine arms then, O Jesus, are the lift which must raise me up even into heaven. To get there, I need not grow. On the contrary, I must remain little. I must become still less. Unquote. Later she wrote, Love proves itself by deeds, so how am I to show my love? Great deeds are forbidden me. The only way I can prove my love is by scattering flowers, and these flowers are every little sacrifice, every glance and word, and doing of the least actions for love. Unquote. By this time, the tuberculosis that would take her life had begun to develop. As her body weakened, she continued to write and pursue her primary vocation, prayer. During her last hours, she said, I would never have believed that it was possible to suffer so much. Never, never, unquote. On September 30th, 1894, she took her last breath. Her last words were, My God, I love you. Professor Plenio Correa de Oliveira, founder of the TFP movement, was profoundly influenced by St. Therese of Lisieux's message of total devotion expressed by many small sacrifices. And an important part of the TFP is its reflections of the saint of the day. On October 3, 1971, Professor Plenio shared this reflection with his fellow TFP members. Here, translated from the original talk in Portuguese, is Professor Plenio's Sanctification through small sacrifices and complete dependence on God's goodness. This translation has been edited slightly to remove elements that related only to its original audience. Today's Saint of the Day is about St. Therese of the Child Jesus, one of the patron saints of the TFP, about whom there are countless comments to make. I believe that today we should focus on one specific aspect of her life that provides a very important principle for our spiritual life. What is the spirit in which we must make sacrifices to God our Lord through Our Lady? St. Therese of the Child Jesus was the saint of small sacrifices. As you know, through her life, she proved a thesis to be false— one that the Church never supported, but that hovered upon Catholic circles as a kind of doctrinal eyesore. It is the thesis with a Jansenist flavor that a person is only holy as long as he proves capable of making extraordinary sacrifices, flogging himself to the point that his blood runs on the ground, and fasting to the point of falling unconscious. She disproved the thesis that a person could only achieve holiness in this way. She proved, through a great series of small sacrifices, and her life was an uninterrupted compilation of small sacrifices, that by a series of small sacrifices within everyone's reach, sacrifices made honestly and always for the love of God, it might not lead to holiness— but was a symptom of holiness. You did not have to be an extraordinary hero to make them. Therefore, anyone can do them. We need to understand what St. Therese calls a small sacrifice. They are not only sacrifices that make you suffer little, 
but it is a type of sacrifice everyone finds in his own daily life. In the end, she offered an extremely painful sacrifice, one that is even chilling. She suffered an extremely painful death. Anyone living an ordinary life can find such crosses in their path. Like so many others, St. Therese contracted tuberculosis, and like so many others, she died from it. Therefore, she offered her life and died after a very painful agony, but it is classified within the series of small sacrifices, not because it made her suffer little, but because it is a sacrifice that anyone can do. In due course, Sooner or later, we will die as she did. We will probably go through agony as she did. And we, too, can go through the aridity that she went through. We are all condemned to death. There is no one here who will not die. And so we must offer our last moments as well. Since it is a very painful episode in everyone's life, We must offer these painful moments to our Lord through Our Lady in a spirit of sacrifice. Thus, the notion of small sacrifice encompasses two slightly different concepts. One is the sacrifice that causes little suffering, but which, practiced out of love for Our Lady and with true love, has great value. Another is a sacrifice that makes us suffer a lot, but is in line with the ordinary sacrifices of all people. Because in this valley of tears, great sacrifices appear from time to time in everyone's lives. And everyone must accept these sacrifices, which are on our ordinary path. St. Therese said that by practicing small sacrifices, understood in these two meanings of the word small, a person can rise to a high degree of love of God and can thus sanctify himself and demonstrate his sanctity in the eyes of the Church in order to be canonized as she was. Demonstrating holiness in the eyes of the Church is also very important. One cannot be indifferent to the idea of being canonized. We should ardently desire to be canonized as long as God desires us to be. In doing so, we can do a post-mortem apostolate, the apostolate of example for having been raised to a saint of the altar. If we seriously desire to serve the cause of God, as long as this is God's design, we must also have a desire to be canonized so that the example of our life may be useful to the Catholic cause even after our death. The principle of St. Therese should lead us to make sacrifices. Many people deduced that it was not necessary to make sacrifices from the fact that St. Therese recommends making small sacrifices. She does not say this. It is exactly the opposite. It is as if she were saying, We are in an age of weakness, but we are also in the age of fidelity. And we must make small sacrifices, the sacrifices that ordinary life places before us. And we must do them with simplicity, fidelity, and love, because we will reach a high degree of holiness in this way. What specific sacrifices should we in the TFP make? 
The first sacrifice is a painstaking struggle against the onset of every temptation. It is not about fighting a temptation when it has already taken root in our soul, but fighting it at the very beginning. Smother, deflect, run away, and pray that all temptations are crushed the instant they appear. It is easy for us to overcome temptation if we do it in the beginning. But if you let the temptation grow, it becomes unbearable. Therefore, run away from the occasions. Internally stifling the cry of evil is a splendid thing. It is a sacrifice, a sacrifice that we must continually make. What is another sacrifice for us? It is linked to the one I just mentioned. It is the sacrifice of vigilance. There is only one way to notice the beginning of any temptation. We have to be vigilant. There is no other remedy. If not, the temptation develops without our notice. Then we need to make the sacrifice of prayer. Praying is very often a sacrifice, a small sacrifice, but a sacrifice. So we must pray. First, we must do our daily prayers well, above all the rosary and daily Holy Communion. Then, we should also get in the habit of praying frequent short prayers, called ejaculations, through the day. Could there be a smaller sacrifice than praying an ejaculation? Saying twenty ejaculations in one day represents twenty insignificant sacrifices, but it is so easy to do. Why don't we do this? St. Therese's school invites us to do this. One should not say, no, I am very weak, so I will do nothing. She proved precisely that the very weak can do this, and this is a lot. She makes an invitation for us to do this. Then you have the sacrifice of fidelity. What does it consist of? It is for us to paddle up the river, fighting the influence in us of the establishment of our social circles. We can see that countering the effect of our milieu is more and more a tremendous battle. You have to know how to fight it. Otherwise, you will succumb to it. There are small sacrifices that one can make. Not to melt, saying niceties to a worldly friend that we meet on the street. Not to admire a jet-setter passing by in a magnificent car. Not to meander aimlessly window-shopping while imagining ourselves buying trinkets that invite us to a mundane life that should not be ours. Not thumbing through the pages of a magazine that display objects and episodes of mundane life that are not ours. These are small sacrifices, but what an excellent opportunity our times offer to make these small sacrifices. We must do them regularly and diligently. Finally, there is a sacrifice, which is the sacrifice of pugnacity, being neither afraid nor lazy to fight. Fight against whom? Ourselves. I would not want to close this saint of the day without highlighting a very important consideration about St. Therese, one that impressed me and which I found very beautiful. She says something that is stunning. Quote, That love is not exactly about sacrifice, 
but that man's holiness is not so much to sacrifice as it is to consent to receive much from God and to love God very much. Unquote. This thought seems very important for us to understand the entire issue of sacrifice. In other words, when making a sacrifice, I must not think the following. I am buying heaven from God, doing a business deal with God. I am offering him a pile this big of sacrifices, and God sells me a place in heaven. My sacrifices assure me a secure seat in heaven. Man is so full of miseries that he could never obtain a place in heaven through his sacrifices. God asks man so much sacrifice and gives him so much mercy so that all together they may obtain for us a place in heaven. Much more important than sacrifice, God's mercy and our love for God give us the conditions to enter heaven. I know this is something difficult to understand for many of the new generation who imagine that heaven is to be bought, earned by our quote-unquote heroic sacrifices. The other day I made this comparison to a new generation friend. Imagine that you have a friend who offers you a fine lunch and dinner every day, valued at $500 per meal. It is a first-class lunch and a first-class dinner. Would you tell him, So-and-so, I want something different from you. I do not want to live on your alms. I earn enough to pay you $20 per meal every day. So prepare a $20 meal and we will be even. I will owe you no favor. And you give no mercy by spending time, effort, and money on me. The generous friend replies, No, Either you receive a $500 lunch and a dinner from me every day, or you have no place at my table. We could make a little examination of conscience. How each of us would act toward that friend. Would we feel very comfortable and say, What a good friend! I will eat thanks to his generosity. Or would one be a bit stung and would say, No, not me. I don't want to live from alms either. Well, there are a lot of people who would want to go to heaven like this. He offers his $20 worth of sacrifice a day and ultimately earns heaven. That is exactly what God does not allow. Heaven has to be given to us out of mercy. Let us not imagine that our sacrifices conquer heaven. Our sacrifices are small proofs of love that God asks of us. But in fact, heaven is granted to us because God, our Lord, wanted to give it to us through the supplications of Mary Most Holy. We do not deserve these supplications. She prayed for us because she wanted to, and that is how we got it. Heaven is given to us as a gift, despite our sacrifices. I think we need to fully understand this point to form our souls so that we are grateful to receive these alms from God. This is exactly the teaching of St. Therese. We must be grateful and at ease living from mercy, living from kindness, living from Our Lady's alms. We should be happy with that. Can you imagine a son who says to his father, Father, 
I no longer want to eat at your table. I will do it just as in a restaurant and will pay for every meal. Does the father not have the right to be saddened by his son's attitude? The point is that we would never do this with our own father, but rather we would say the opposite. What a great dad I have. He did this for me. Now, did God not tell us to pray by calling him father? Our father who art in heaven? Isn't the father in heaven worth much more than our father on earth? Isn't the father on earth an image of the heavenly father? So we must be much more unceremonious with God's alms than with the alms that we receive from our parents on earth. This is the spirit of living on God's almsgiving, loving to live on alms, loving the insignificance that receiving alms brings with it, and being at ease with this. This is the spirit that we must acquire for us to be true medieval knights. It is one of the traits of the medieval spirit to appreciate receiving without having to pay as equals in a world whose model is not business, but mercy and kindness, both of them sub-virtues to charity. What are the obstacles in our souls that close this off to us? This is the fundamental note, the decommercialization of the spiritual life. True. We must love a lot, and because we love a lot, we must really enjoy being loved by God. St. Therese made this beautiful statement. If our Lord finds pleasure in playing the role of someone who gives alms, we must not be impolite and refuse him the pleasure he wants. We must accept to live on alms. Unquote. With this beautiful thought, I close this saint of the day with an ejaculation. Nos comprole pia, benedicat virgo Maria. This concludes St. Therese of Lisieux's Little Way Can Lead Us to Heaven. Thank you so much for listening. Return to Order, of which this podcast is only a part, strives to be a source of light in a dark and disordered world. Your prayers are appreciated. If you have enjoyed this podcast, we ask that you subscribe and give us a five-star rating with the service through which you are listening to it. Increased subscriptions and high ratings mean that more people will be directed to the Return to Order moment when searching for new podcasts. So, by rating us, you can help Return to Order be more effective. In addition, subscribers gain access to all previous episodes of the Return to Order moment. We would also like to recommend the book which spells out the motivations behind our work. Mr. John Horvat's book, Return to Order, is available as a free download through our website, www.returntoorder.org, or in printed and recorded form through our bookstore. All rights are reserved. Copyright 2021 by the American Society for the Defense of Tradition, Family, and Property, TFP.